Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Football Fignuts Podcast. This is Season 4, Episode 29. If you've counted every single episode, that's 179 episodes of entertainment and football stuffs and beer. I'm Craig. I am Britt. Britt, we're back, and your Chiefs won. You know, I, I, I so let me just get this off the, the chest now before we even get to starting this. Yeah. Um. Did you ever have a doubt in that game? I mean, even when they were down nine nothing, I didn't. Mm, not, not really. I mean, I I knew the Bills were gonna score, but I didn't think the Bills were gonna win. If that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. When I was when I was down nine nothing, I was like, okay, this kind of sucks, but this isn't like. I didn't feel like it was. I didn't feel like at any point like it was out of control. Okay, so they they got they got an opening drive field goal. And then Hardman muffed a punt, which I want to talk about. Um, but other than that, okay, big deal. You know what I mean? I, I just kind of felt like yeah. it's it's fine. Everything's fine. It, you know. And then of course it just it just steamrolls. Um, but you know what? Before I get into that, before I even go that that direction, let's start where we always start. Craig, what are you drinking? So I'm drinking a beer that I've been saving. So as you remember when I I found some treehouse beers yar um one of the beers that i got in my bag was called snow so i purposely waited snow. for it to snow you know what i think i still have that in my fridge for the exact same reason i forgot <laughs> it was there uh this is a wheat double ipa it is 7.8 percent and the quick description is a palate rich with tropical fruit citrus mango characteristics with a bready finish I don't know if I've ever heard that before. Bready, bready finish. finish. There are beers that are made with literal bread. Um, have you ever heard of a Creek? K-R-I-E-K? Bush. No. Bush. It's a beer that's literally fermented by soaking in rye bread. Like no you kidding. chuck rye bread into like, I, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how the process works, but it involves literal rye bread in the casks. And it's a very unique beer, very mild. It's, it's European. Um, I have, you, you remember my friend Donna, the one who yes. came and drank with us that time at Two Roads? Oh, yeah. That, yep. that night that Santa Claus was all over us and we didn't realize it was Ryan? Mm-hmm. Um, that, she was the one who brought it. She brought it to one of our gaming events, and she was like, you need to try this. It's really unique. It's it's hard to find. So we did. Christy and her finished off a gigantic-sized craft bottle. I had, like, two sips of that beer. The two of them were down in it. They loved it so <laughs> really? much. Really? Oh, it, yeah. Did it taste like rye bread? You know, a little bit. It was... But you know what? The reason I bring it up is because the word I would use to describe it is bready. Oh, all right. I that's would use good, that word. So when you, there, when you <laughs> sit there and say bready to me, that's the first thing I think. I'm like, yeah, I actually understand what that means in a beer. So before he tries it, I am drinking because bottom line, folks, and this is fir- first confession of the night. I have done zero prep work today. All hell broke loose at work today. And by the time I got done with work, I needed to close my eyes and not think about anything. So <laughs> I'm going in blind tonight. I mean, there's a nice. ton for us to discuss, but I have done very little actual upfront research. And to that end, I needed a comfort beer. So when I need a comfort beer, I look in my fridge and I go, what do I have that just makes me relax? And to that end, I pulled out one of the seven bottles of holiday ale that I saved from this Christmas. Nice. And I just opened one. So I'm drinking some holiday ale by Two Roads. Excellent. Craig, tell us about the snow. Uh, so the snow is or- very orangey in color. You cannot see through it at all. 
glow. Can't see your hand on the other side of the glass. The smell... You know what? It actually does smell a little bit like bread, which is kind of weird. I don't okay. really get any citrus off the nose of it, but let's uh, take a sip. But, you know, that dank kind of non see through is pretty indicative of how Treehouse brews. So... Hmm. <clears throat> Very smooth. It's uh-huh. thick. It almost feels like there would be lactose in this, but there isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it has a heavy mouthfeel. And the citrus, hmm, it is tropical in nature, but I'm not sure actually what this is. Maybe a little bit mango, maybe a little bit mango, but not, not overpowering. Mm-hmm. But easy to drink. Okay. Okay, good. All right, let's get into burning hot takes. We got so much to talk about tonight. Um, you want to give or receive? Um, you know what? Your Chiefs won, so um, I'll receive. All right, so let's start there. Let's start with the Chiefs Bills game, as we talked about just briefly. The Chiefs do defeat the Bills. The Brills. <laughs> I have just sipped my beer, folks. I, you know, I don't even have the scores up in front of me. I don't want to know what the Pro Bowl was. Oh, they're it's doing be... it. They're playing Madden. Yeah, I saw that too. I'll get me started on that. So 38-24, this game was never as close as the score anticipated, uh, or as the score really reflected. I didn't think at any point it was a close. Um, so I, I want to talk about the Miko Hardman fumble, the muffed punt. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, you saw him, if you watched that game, walk to the sideline, kind of just chuck his helmet, not in anger, but just kind of like, oh, crap. And then put his his jacket over his head. Yes. What you didn't see was a moment later, Patrick Mahomes walk over to him. The cameras didn't pick it up, but some NFL audio supposedly did. And the quote he said to him was, hey, look at me. Look at me. Hey, we're good. Be you. You're going to make a play in this game. And then he walked away. Craig, my question for you. I mean, aside from, like, running into a burning pet shop to save <laughs> save animals, is there anything Patrick Mahomes could do to be a better person at this point? I mean, like, the guy, like, every time he turns around, he's doing the right things. He is. That shows, you know, that shows his maturity as a quarterback. He knows, he knows essentially he is the leader of that team. Yeah. And he, he showed it. Like, you can, there's other quarterbacks that get mad at players. Brady, who, you know, scream at people. And, you know, sometimes screaming at someone is effective, but it's not always very effective. See, I feel like Mahomes is a more centered version of Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Mahomes will give you a death look. Yeah. And and seriously, they, they have such set kind of like things. Like seven or eight times this year, I've watched the Chiefs, and Mahomes has thrown an incomplete pass. And they'll center in on his face, and you'll see him point or look right at the receiver and and say the words, and you can read the lips, come back to the ball. And you know that that's the way that they plan this. Like, if you take these this many steps and you're still covered, stop and come back to the ball. Or you see me scramble, come back towards – you know, he does, but he communicates that. Aaron Rodgers shoots you a look like, I hate you and I wish your family was dead, <laughs> and then goes on to the next play and then maybe never throws to you ever again. That's a whole nother thing. But I, you brought up a good point about the maturity because the flip side of this is Josh Allen at the end of the game. 
where he basically started a fight that resulted in multiple penalties. <laughs> yeah. Because he got sacked. The audacity of being sacked caused him to flip the ball in the face of Okafor, and that just set off a chain of events. Yeah. That's, that is, to me, and I was so angry. Craig knows I was screaming on the podcast, and I was also a few beers in at that point, but I was screaming on the <laughs> podcaster's thread. And my biggest problem with that play was there were four personal fouls on the play, three on the Bills and one on the Chiefs, and yet it was all offsetting. You're the... telling me that robbing three banks is the same punishment-wise <laughs> as robbing a bank? I mean, I think it depends on how much you steal from the three and the one. Is it the same amount of money? I, 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 I guess. I mean— <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okafor did react. I mean, there's no question it was an appropriate penalty. But how does how does two bills? How does a bill taunting a chief, the chief reacting, and then two additional bills attacking that chief? Th I mean, this th th this th yeah. Let's just let's just do this right now, really quick. The officiating this weekend was terrible. Oh, it was horrible. It was it was Chris, god awful. Chris Jones in the first quarter of that Bills Chiefs game, a chief player, literally punched. The side of the, the side of the helmet of one of the bills after the play was over, and he looked over his shoulder to see if anyone was watching before he did it, and yeah. nobody caught it. The cameras caught it, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you can't do that." And I'm like, "That's that should be a personal foul." That's 15 yards and a possible it ejection. <laughs> it should have been 15 yards, and at least that whole this is your first penalty towards ejection at a minimum. Never called. No. Never called, and I'm a Chiefs fan, and I'm calling him out on it. He's yeah, a hothead. This at least no one threw their socks. Let's put it that way. No one threw their socks, and Travis Kelsey was involved in none of it. Those are the silver yeah, linings. Yeah, he was actually trying to calm Hardman down of all yes. people. Yes. Except he he did say I heard the audio. He did say that's what you do because after Hardman made those two plays and got that touchdown, uh -huh. Kelsey was like, "That's what you do to adversity. You punch it in the face." So it wound up back being violent, but it was in a good way. <laughs> Yeah, Travis is something <laughs> special. My the, the, a frequently uttered phrase in my house is just fall down, Travis. Fall down, <laughs> Travis. Travis Kelsey has developed this this desire to catch every ball, do a spin move, and get another twenty yards. And half the time he does a spin move and loses two yards by doing it because he's got to kind of move backwards away from the defender. Mm -hmm. And there's another guy standing right there because he's still Travis Kelsey, and they're not stupid. There's a safety or somebody there who's had time to react and he still gets hit. So there's or, or he'll be sitting there and they'll have his legs wrapped up and he's hopping. And I'm like, no, just fall over, Travis. <laughs> you are a sitting duck for a concussion. You hit that, you hit that juke button too much. You fumble. That's it. Just <laughs> fall over, Travis. <laughs> Particularly like it, the worst part is when he gets he'll get like it's it's second and ten. He catches the ball for an 11 yard gain and he starts struggling. No, no, no. Fall over. You exactly. have the first down. This team is built to get small chunks of yards and build up to the big play. That's what they do. You do not need to break a tackle and go for 28 yards. Fall over. You have the first down. Yeah, that's all that matters. You just need 10 yards. You don't need 89 yards on one play. <laughs> Taking up 10 minutes with my stupid question about hey, Patrick Mahomes' leadership. That's fine. Go ahead. What do you got for me? <laughs> Um, so for me on the, on the flip side, the other, the other game that happened that day also oh, has to do with the refs. Yeah. Now, you know what? 
it's the NFC. I'm an AFC fan. I really had no horse in the race. Really, not yeah. a huge Tom Brady fan, as everybody knows. So this isn't, but this is an anti. This is not an anti Tom Brady thing. Sure it is. No, no, because I mean, maybe he maybe paid off the refs, but anyway. So here's the thing. Throughout Don't say that... things like that. We're gonna get sued. <laughs> That's all over the internet. It's a meme, for God's sakes. Anyway, so, so is so is QAnon. We're not going there. <laughs> Do... All right. Well, he did try to high five the referee. That was a little weird. But he's um... done that before too. He's got a weird. He's yeah. He's, it's... he's flaunted, for lack of a better term, his relationship right. with the officials before. So yeah, yeah. I can understand. But my but my thing is that entire game for three and a half quarters on both sides of the ball. There were clearly penalties not called. Oh my god, so bad. Whether it was holding, whether it was defensive hold or offensive holding, defensive mm-hmm. holding, pass interference, and literally both sides of the ball. Both te- it, both teams did it. Both teams did not get called for it. Mm-hmm. Then the what is it? Two minutes under two minutes left in the game. They referees decide to then call a late flag. For pass interference and my issue was why is why wasn't the other eight calls made but that one was that was my biggest issue with that game so i just wanted to yeah. get your like thoughts I'm on it i'm absolutely with you on that they they so the entire game all we kept hearing from the announcers they're letting them play they're okay. letting them play we saw constant replays right of things, I'm like, that's defensive holding. Oh, they're letting them play. Okay, then you can't call that late in the game. You can't. That's that's. I'm with you. I'm I'm very much with you on this. You cannot call that based based on what what has happened in the game already. And and that's the Devonte Adams was terrible. And part of Devonte Adams's terribleness was he didn't get any calls when he was he was held, and he was held frequently. But once Tampa Bay saw that they're not going to call anything that's not egregious, they did it every play. Yeah. And thusly, they <clears> held him in check. So, yeah, that – the NFL – and this is what I put on Twitter. The NFL should be embarrassed by its officiating this weekend. Embarrassed. Yeah, it, it was just not – it wasn't consistent. That's the problem. If you're going to call pass interference, like, yeah, do it in the first quarter so everyone knows. It's like and, you, you were an umpire – if you decide this zone right here yep. all day is a strike, and then in the eighth inning or ninth inning, you're like, nah, it's a ball now. You know what? The pitcher's going to be really pissed at you. <laughs> yep. So let me tell you a quick story about my very first game as a softball umpire. And by the way, Cinch was an umpire too, but in baseball. Um, and he actually did higher level games. He actually did competitive games. I don't know what le- I know. He definitely did some college and did some um, some high school games. So Cinch is good, and that's that was the thing. Cinch was like, "You're an umpire, you know something." And I'm like, "You're an umpire, you know consistency <laughs> is what matters." My very first game as a softball umpire, my strike zone was massive, <laughs> massive, because the book tells you that the average slow pitch softball pitch can land within like three to four feet behind the plate. And have passed through the strike zone because of the angle of descent. Okay. So I'm calling strikes left and right. <laughs> I am the most pitcher-friendly umpire in the history of softball. The guy I'm calling with is the head official for our league. And he intentionally scheduled himself with me because he wanted to see how I would do. 
Okay. Halfway through the game, one of the guys walks up to him, knowing he's a seasoned umpire, and goes, are you going to say anything to your partner? He's calling everything a strike. And he looked at him and he said, and I found all I found all, all this about after the game. He looked at him and said, but is he being consistent? And the player said, well, yeah, because everything that gets anywhere near the plate is a strike. And he goes, as long as he's being consistent, the strike zone is his. And the player nodded. That same player comes up an inning later, stands all the way back next to me when he sets up in, in the box. Mm-hmm. And the catcher looks at me and goes, isn't he outside the batter's box? And I'm like, no, as far as long as he's still within a foot of the strike zone, legally he's but. And the catcher was like, okay. And the catcher moved off to like away from the batter. Like, I don't want to get hit when this guy swings. Next pitch that comes in is one that's going to be deep. It's going to be a little deeper. He knows I'm going to call a strike. He cranks it over the fence cranks it over the fence and when he hits home plate he flashes a smile and winks at me like i follow you now (laughs) nice and then after the game the other umpire was like listen you probably want to shorten your strike zone a little bit but you were consistent and that's what matters consistency in officiating is what matters interpretation of the rules is going to be a part of every game's officiating end of story does not make a difference what sport we're talking about. Anytime a human being is in charge of making a call, that human being's subjective perception is going to be a part of it. I could spend an entire episode preaching about perception and sensation in terms of human experience. I have PowerPoint presentations <laughs> from my college years about how the human eye works. <laughs> the bottom line is it's going to be subjectively interpreted, applied to an objective set of rules, and a ruling's going to be made. In a perfect world, every single person sees every pitch, every throw, every kick, all of it the same way. We're that's not how we work. Right. We are subjective beings working with objective sets of rules. But that objective set of rules needs to be consistent. And that was the problem with this game was they were consistent for the for like 50 minutes. Cuz I remember one of the announcers and I think it was like in the third quarter They said there's been no penalties this game. And I was like, wow, there hasn't been. But damn. (laughs) It was, I think it was the third quarter. And I think it was, I think you're right. It was just Troy Aikman. It was like, I just realized there's been no penalties in this game at all. No. And really quick though, I'm not, I'm not blaming the refs for Green Bay losing because Green Bay clearly had opportunities to score. Oh, tons of them. You know, Adams dropped two passes, like one he really should have caught on the end zone. The other one was a little out, but, um, you know they got two. They got two interceptions, or actually three interceptions from Brady. You know they didn't yeah. do. They didn't Which do anything with unusual. two of them. And then they decided to go for that kick. You know, meh. And Aaron Rodgers could have ran for a touchdown on third down. So yeah, the Packers had opportunity to score and they didn't. So I'm not blaming the refs for them losing. I'm blaming the refs because that, in my mind, that call was stupid like let's can we can we break down the possessions really quick yeah on the uh, the second half of that game sure green bay fumbles on the first possession which leads to a four second one play touchdown by tampa okay green bay then responds with a touchdown by that point it's 28 17 brady throws a pick green bay gets a touchdown brady throws a pick uh it's 28 23 by the way at that point brady throws a pick they're down five they lose they go three and out they punt Brady throws a pick. They go three and out, and they punt. Tampa kicks a field goal, then the controversial Green Bay field goal. They had 
three mm-hmm. turnovers. They were plus two because they fumbled, but they got three interceptions. They were plus two in turnover differential in the second half of that game. In the second half, they went into halftime at 21-10. They were down 11 points, and they still lost by five. So I don't want to hear – and you're absolutely right. I They were daring Aaron Rodgers to run in that fourth quarter, daring him. I do not understand why he did not, other than he thinks he's Aaron Rodgers and he can make anything happen. I yeah, I mean, so, there I'm, was a wide, like there was no one between him and the end zone on that third down. No, but he play. didn't want to take a hit. He would have had to take a hit or go on airborne to get in, but he would have gotten in. He did not want to take a hit. So you know what? I'm going to make a bold <laughs> statement right now. Yep. Since he's going to be very happy. <laughs> I'm on board with the Aaron Rodgers is overrated train. Aaron Rodgers is an overrated prima donna. You chased your coach out of town. You got the coach you wanted, the coach you dictate to, and you still couldn't get it done. I am done hearing about how good Aaron Rodgers is. And then when he comes out and he's like, well, I don't know what the future will hold. You don't get to dictate. You know who gets to dictate what the future holds? Winners. You did yeah. not win. If they replace you with what's his name? Love, right? Is who they drafted? Yes. If they say tomorrow we'd rather go 3-13 and 13 for two years and build something around this new guy, then you can go do squat. Now, he backed off of that, and he was like, no, I fully expect to be back next year. I'm sure you do. There's also rumors that he wants to renegotiate his contract. Yeah, Good he's luck got with two that. more years left on it, I think. Good luck with that. If I were the owner, my answer would be, you know what? Let's talk after you win the Super Bowl next week. Oh, wait, you're not? We'll talk after you win a Super Bowl. <laughs> he has... One Super Bowl win. One. Yeah. I don't want to hear any more about how good Aaron Rodgers is. In the clutch, Do you know what it was? Part, the, the problem with the Packers is their defense. Their defense, I think, on average, gave up like 34 points. That year that they won with him, they, they were in the top 10, good. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? That's Part of that's his problem, too. Because he's dictating to the organization, give me weapons, give me weapons, give me weapons. I need Devontae Adams. I need a decent running back. Go draft Aaron Jones. I need a decent tight end. Go get me. Wasn't wasn't what's his name there? Who's the tight end there that that, that fizzled out like two years ago? Uh, J- uh, Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham. They went out and they signed Jimmy Graham as a free agent. Did they do that because they really thought they needed a tight end? No, they did that because freaking Aaron Rodgers told them to do it. Well, how do you know that? I don't. I'm not stupid. <laughs> the it, it's it's obvious that they they were they were he was like get me weapons. I, yeah. I don't have inside information. But and that so um I'm done. I'm done with Rogers. I'm and done I knew with him. when their left tackle got hurt, I knew that was going to be a huge. From being a Bengal oh, yes. fan, I knew that was going to be a huge issue. And not only was that a huge issue play wise, but Bakhtari was the, like the only lineman that Rogers trusted. And yeah, trust is a huge thing tackle, for Aaron Rodgers. Yep. <laughs> Do you know how many – so Aaron, I can count on one hand the Packers that Aaron Rodgers trusts in a game. I need my fingers and toes to do the same thing for Patrick Mahomes. And that's why Patrick Mahomes is playing in the Super Bowl. He's not. Byron freaking Pringle <laughs> catches passes for this team. On a regular he's the, basis. He's the fifth receiver. Yes. Explain that to me. Hold on, I'm pulling up is Byron. He, I, is I, he I, t- listed as a tight end? Who Pringle? Yeah. No, he's listed as a, a wideout. Pringle in the game last week, five targets, three catches for 22 yards. 
he was the third best receiver on the team in terms of yardage. That's kind of crazy. The third best receiver. And the only reason he's third is because Kelsey and Hill went off. He had more yardage than Hardman, but Hardman had the touchdown. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. But Byron Pringle is getting five targets. And yes, I used him in a pool. And yes, I'm like, <laughs> we're going to be rich if Byron Park Pringle catches five targets and he <laughs> dropped two of them. You're killing me, Byron. <laughs> but I, can you say the same? All right, so Mahomes trusts Hardman, obviously. He trusts Hilaire. He trusts Daryl Williams. He trusts Tyreek Hill. He trusts Travis Kelsey. He trusts Byron Pringle. That's six guys. Can you even name six people who catch the ball for the Packers? Uh, Adams, Tunyon, uh, Lazard, and the law office. That's four. That's Can't four. Name anyone else. <laughs> That's four. And one Adams. Did we say Adams? Yeah, I, said, I think I said Devontae. But Mercedes Lewis had three catches in this game. He did? Yes. I mean, come on. It's just... It just it drives me nuts just because I'm tired of hearing about gr- how great the Green Bay Packers are and how great Aaron Rodgers is. He doesn't win. He doesn't win no. the big game. I mean, game. he his if you look at his stats for his year, he had an amazing year. He's had like 45 touchdowns and eight interceptions. And but the yeah. problem with yeah, and the problem with him not winning the big game is that he's not humble about it. He makes demands. He chased his coach out of town. You know, think about great quarterbacks that just never won the big game or won one or got to like Philip Rivers. Like, <laughs> Philip Rivers never even made an AFC championship. I, I can't put him in this conversation. But what about Jim Kelly? Yeah. Teammates raved about what a great guy he was and how much they loved him. Four Super but Bowls. <laughs> four Super Bowls, never won one. Okay. It happens. But I got to hold him in better regard than Rodgers because of how he handles it. It's about how you handle it. We've wasted 30 minutes. <laughs> Can I just say really quick for the, ne- the next question is yeah. I'm looking at a picture of Jim Ursray, the, yeah. the owner of the Colts. He looks like Ric Flair. I always thought he looked like Chris Benoit. <laughs> like the picture I see him right now, he looks like Ric Flair. <laughs> is he talking about whorehouses in Asia? Uh, he might be. I don't know. Hmm. That's, <laughs> That's a for a story. different podcast. Yeah. All right. Really quick. Third question. The podcast is half over and we were still bitching about last week's games. We haven't even talked about the Super Bowl yet. <laughs> and prop bets. Oh, prop. No, prop bets we'll do next week. Prop bets we will do next week. Definitely do prop bets next week because I like getting a good solid list of them. But yes, we yeah. will do. We will do our prop bets extravaganza next week. So my last question for you is I just found an article on NFL.com. By mm-hmm. Maurice Jones Drew. He used to be a running back. And he says, yes, and he says there's an X factor mm-hmm. to the Bucks' success in Super Bowl 55. Okay. I have to always do that in my head because I'm like, LV, you know, that's 50 plus 555. <laughs> I'm going to do that really quick in my head. The X factor is not Tom Brady. The mm-hmm. X factor is not Mike Evans, Scotty mm-hmm. Miller, or Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. The X factor is Leonard Fournette. In three playoff games, he has amassed 313 scrimmage yards and three touchdowns. They need him to be efficient throughout, according to Drew. Craig, is the secret to beating the Chiefs Leonard Fournette being successful? Uh, no. The If the 
Buccaneers want to win, they have to stop the Chiefs' offense. It doesn't matter what Leonard Fournette does. That's exactly it. Everyone can rush for 150 yards against the Chiefs. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Because they're going to yeah. score... They're going to score 45 points, so what is your yep. 150 yards going to do? Because if yep. you get behind, you're going to stop running. Yep, that's exactly it. Don't forget, the Chiefs gave up 24 points to the Bills and still won. And mm-hmm. it wasn't close. I'm t- I understand. It really I understand. wasn't. The Bills are like two or three years off from where I think they need where they're going, but yeah. Did you did you see did you see the report by the way that Stefan Diggs wouldn't leave the field? Oh, I watched it. There was did a you video watch that it. video? Yep, he just right, stood so there. For those who have no idea what we're talking about, so they set up in like a, one of the end zones, probably around the twenty yard line. They set up the stage to give out the trophy. Mm-hmm. Someone caught the far end of the field, like eighty yards away. Stefan Diggs standing at the other twenty with yard his line on. with his with his helmet on and his hands on his hips. Just watching, not in like a defiant or angry pose, but just watching. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of fire I want to see. I don't want to see balls thrown in players' places, <clears throat> faces. I want to see that. And that tells me if Josh Allen can continue to progress, if Devin Singletary can continue to do good things, Zach Moss can continue to progress. This team could be could be the AFC champion in say 2022. Yeah. No, uh, after totally the 20, I'm saying, I'm saying 2023. I'm saying the 2022 well, season. Right. I think they're like two years away. Yes. I think they're like two years away. And you know what? I look at this team and I see a lot of what I saw in the chiefs two years ago when they lost at home in the AFC championship game, which if you don't know, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, don't talk about, he talked about it once on NFL radio right after the game in uh, 2019. And all he would say about it was it's motivation. It was a tough game to watch from home. Yep. And the next year he's in the Super Bowl. And then now this year, the year after he's in the Super Bowl again. Mm-hmm. If they can, if they can take this in as motivation, it's huge. Yeah. No, if I was a, if I was a Bills fan, I would be, yep. I would be, you know, disappointed they lost, but I wouldn't be worried about anything. I think this mm-hmm. team is finally headed in the right direction again. It's been a long time, so yeah. And let's and let's be let's be brutally honest. They play in a what is suddenly a weak division. Yes, there is no reason they can't win with the talent they already have, and knowing that the draft is still yet to happen and everything can change, there is no reason they can't win ten games easily, playing in the AFC East and win that division easily. Who is going to stop them? Yeah, no. I think, honestly, I think Miami is in, I don't know, I feel like they're on really thin ice because it seems like they have potential, but now, you know, looking at it after the season, I don't know what they're going to do with Tua. You know what the problem with Miami Dolphins is? They don't have any patience, and they don't have the tools to develop their players. They drafted Tua and thought they were going to, I'll go back to this. This is a terrible reference, but I'll use it anyway. And Craig Olson goes, oh, God. <laughs> Do you remember there was an old Family Guy episode where Peter talks about having to take a test, a math test? And during the test, he actually picks up what appears to be a small child and puts <laughs> it on the corner of a desk and pokes it with a pencil and goes, Do math. Do math. <laughs> that is essentially what the Dolphins thought they were going to do. They were going to plug Tua in and go, all right, 
go win us a title. And two's gonna go, okay. I mean, that's not how it works. Tried, but it, yeah, no. The development isn't there. These guys don't just, you don't hatch out of an egg and all of a sudden be an NFL quarterback. It takes development. Never forget, Patrick Mahomes sat his rookie year. He started one game, and he started that game because they gave Alex Smith the week off to rest him for the playoffs. <laughs> That's right. But people forget that. So you put you put two out there, what was it, week six or seven-ish? Uh, yeah, and they actually came off a win, too, and they were just like, yeah, we're going to bench Fitzpatrick and start Tua. Which says to me that was the plan the entire time. Doesn't make a difference what we do. This is where we're going to start Tua. But you put him out there, and then all of a sudden you expect him to take you to the playoffs. Yeah, that doesn't really happen. It doesn't. It's very rare. How many rookie quarterbacks play play in the Super Bowl? Because I can only think of one, and that's Dan Marino. Yeah, and that was his only Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm sure there yeah, are others. Think, that's the thing with the NFL. Like, no one is patient. Like, I'm still for... If you draft a quarterback, let him sit, like, the first year. Yeah. Because it's a huge learning curve to go from college to the NFL. And you just throw – I mean, yeah, they can do it, clearly, because they've been doing – they've been playing football their entire life. But, I don't know, there's just something about – I just feel like there's something about having at least one year to adjust, you know? Yeah. Never forget Peyton Manning – set the record for most yardage by a rookie in his first year, 3,739. Most touchdowns by a rookie with 26. And most interceptions <laughs> yeah. with 28. I think, what is it, his first game, he had like five interceptions or four interceptions. I don't have it, it was, right in front. It was bad. Like his I'll first few this. weeks were bad. <laughs> All right, there we go. 1998 was his rookie year. Dear God, 1998. He led the league in pass attempts. Wow. In his rookie year. Well, I can throw for 3,000 yards, too, if I throw the ball more than anybody else. <laughs> That's he true. 28 interceptions. Now, his interception percentage was 4.9%. That's one out of every 20 passes, folks. Wow. Every 20th attempt. So if he's if he's throw if he's, I don't even know what he's throwing per game. But I'm just saying, like, one out of every 20, that is brutally bad. They threw him in. Oh, you're a talent. You can do this. Okay. Okay, but later, the first year is going to be bad. <laughs> two years later, in 2000, age 24, he starts 16 games. They go 10-6. and six. He leads the leagues in completions, yards, and touchdowns. Yep. Two years later. He never gets anywhere near 28. His second worst year in terms of interceptions is 2001. He throws 23. Twice in his career, he threw more than 20. That's it. Those are the only two times. Hmm. That's it. What does that tell you? That the Colts been... were really patient. <laughs> the, but the, no, but the Colts threw him to the Wolves. They did. But they expected it. You don't throw Tua out there and expect him to have success. You can't. It doesn't work that way. You know, it's really funny that the Buccaneers got rid of uh, Jameis Winston because he threw a lot of mm -hmm. you know threw a lot of interceptions, and so you know Tom Brady was through three touchdowns and three interceptions. That's but like what Jameis won. Winston did all the time. <laughs> but he got them. He got them to the Super Bowl. He did, and that's the difference. Is that they, they brought in the guy who could win them the game, and that's the thing. So you know, all right, so let's move on from that. We only spent thirty five <laughs> minutes on burning hot takes. <laughs> this is what happens when Brett has a rough day at work. 
my beer is empty. I'm out of beer. This is oh, terribly sad. sad. That's okay. Um, let, let's talk about that just really quick. What are your first thoughts on Super Bowl 55? We've got more than we, so next week will be our Super Bowl spectacular, right? Mm-hmm. But what are your what are your first thoughts on this when you see the matchup Bucks and Chiefs? What what's, what pops into your head? Um, a really mm, it's going to be a really high scoring game. I feel like I think so. Uh, I th- I think the Chiefs are going to win. I just feel it's going to be you know the ov- definitely take the over in the Super Bowl. That's I'm looking why. it up right now. It's 57 and a half. Yeah, I would take that over. You would still take the over at 57 and a half? I would. I don't know, man. I would. I don't know. That's a, and they're, they're three and a half point favorites. I'm doing the math in my head. That's 27. That's 30 to 27, roughly. Yeah, I can see that. Actually, now that you mentioned, I think I can too. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah, I but I don't think right. I don't think the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers have a have a if uh, have a de- clearly have a good defense, but I don't think they can keep up with the Chiefs. The question is, how long before Indomitian Sue commits a massive penalty and ends up getting into a fist fight <laughs> with Travis Kelsey? That's the question I want. <laughs> uh, I want before I half want time. Helmets. We can make that I a want, prop bet. <laughs> I want helmets off, and I want oh, what was his name Mills Lane mm-hmm. to come out the old the old boxing reference. Let's get all. I want that to happen. <laughs> and you know what? That, that fight should be worth six points. There was, there was a game back in the day for the Sega Genesis, uh, Mario Lemieux hockey. Oh yes. Did you ever play that one? Yes. I remember that. If a fight broke out, only the guy who lost the fight got a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> so there was all this impetus on winning the fight. And the fight was like a side game inside the game. Like the two of them would square up to each other. You'd have to punch and kick and fight. And it was like brutal because it meant a five-minute major, but only for the guy who lost. That's what I want to see here. I want to see a fight, and I want to see. Well, I really don't want to see a fight, but if a fight breaks out, I don't want to see. I want to see points. I want to see three points awarded or six points awarded to whoever wins the fight. But if if the line holds at fifty-seven and a half, it would be the highest over/under close in Super Bowl history. They've had lines open higher than that, but they've never had lines close that high. Hmm. So, did you know we'll Todd see. Todd Bowles is the uh, defensive coordinator for Tampa? Yes, yes, yeah. He does a great job. He's a great coordinator. He's one of those yep. guys. Then he coached the Jets. Coach. Not so good. Not so good. But he's not a great head coach, but he's a great coordinator. No, that's the thing. That's the thing. You can't. It's a hard job to transition to, and not everyone can be a head coach. Totally different well, job. ES- ESPN breaking news. Oh, it's not going to load now. I hate the rap. Uh, <laughs> now we'll never know. Chad Wheeler was formally charged. Yes, he Felony is no longer a violence. Seahawk, and he is going into therapy. Yeah, so let's let's transition there because we're going to talk a lot about the C, the the Super Bowl next week, and we've only got a few minutes left. I work in the I work in the mental health field. I have my entire career. I'm an administrator in an organization that provides some services, different services to folks. And I've worked with folks um, who have had manic episodes. They're nasty. They are very, very nasty. For those who have never seen or experienced what they entail, they can be very, they can be violent. They can be violent. Manic episodes, every decision you make, think about the craziest decision you had 
on a night when you were too tired or or had a few drinks, the craziest decision, and then imagine you stopped everything you were doing and did it without any regard for the consequences. That's a, that's that's as close to an example of what I can give you for folks who experience manic episodes. I have known people who have literally got up at 10 o'clock out of bed, thrown on their clothes, sold personal possessions, and just bought a plane ticket to Hawaii. And just they get randomly. off. Just and just get off the get off the plane in Hawaii and then go. Okay, what's next? Hmm. No hotel, no way home, no money. It is you, your your thought process is completely in the moment and it's completely self serving. So I can if this guy is truly suffering from a manic episode, I, I want to see him get some help. I do believe it's a good idea for his playing days to be over, um, at least for the short term. He needs to to get help and. He needs to be consistent with treatment because that's the other thing. Imagine again, I'm talking about guys who make bad decisions, impulsive decisions, because every thought is the greatest idea they've ever had. It's not a large jump for those folks to say, I don't need this medicine anymore. I don't need to see my therapist anymore. That happens a lot too. And then what you end up with is exacerbated symptoms. It just starts to spiral. It's it. No, and, you know, it doesn't, I mean, and it doesn't really matter how long he was off his meds. It, it it does in terms of the episode's severity and length because that differs by individual too. I've known individuals who can be manic for a twenty four hour or less period. I've known people who, when their manic episodes hit, there it's five days of constant. Um, and sometimes the medicine helps with those things, and sometimes it doesn't. I have no idea about his case. I do know this: if he started to feel the the throes of one. Again, manic episodes, you feel great. Every decision's genius. Everything you do is the best decision you've ever made. It's not a big jump for someone experiencing that to say, I feel great. I don't need this medicine anymore. It happens frequently. Hmm. It happens frequently. And not all medicines are effective. I think that kind of goes without saying in terms of general human behavior. If this guy said, you know what? I feel fantastic. The season's over. I'm relaxing at home. I can take a break from my medicine. It's not a big jump to say a couple of days later he has serious problems. It's not. Hmm. It's not. Now, to be fair, I'm not a clinician. I don't know this guy. I'm not I'm not diagnosing him. I'm just telling you my experience working directly with individuals who have had manic episodes, it's it's very challenging. And then what happens afterwards is you come down, the regret is overwhelming. That's oh, what they, then that's you, then you realize what you did. Well, or you put yourself in a situation where you have no relief. Hmm. You know, you took you took that plane ticket to Hawaii. You have no way back. What the hell am I going to do? What the hell am I going to do? I can't call anybody. If I call somebody, they're going to know what I did. I'm going to end up in trouble. That kind of mentality happens with it, too. You know, it's very, very sad. And sometimes people do like, yeah, I went out this. But they always know there's consequences. The, The realization that consequences are coming into the picture comes late. And that's where. It could be very difficult for them or the episode spirals to a point where the consequences never come and they end up sleeping on a beach in Hawaii for four years in the same shirt and pants before somebody finally says you need to get some help. It's 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 a very it's very troubling. It's very troubling. So I I feel very bad for this guy that he has this. But at the same time, there's no excuse for what he did. And I feel way worse for his his partner. Um, It's not easy to live and deal with people with uh, with uh, emotional and, and mental issues. It really isn't. That comes from a guy with an anxiety disorder. My wife is a saint. Let's just put it that way. You know, 
two o'clock in the morning, I get up because I heard a car horn outside and I'm convinced the house is on fire. It must've been one of the smoke alarms. <laughs> that's, that's what we deal with. We all deal with, but folks who have manic episodes, it can be very severe and, and it can be very sudden. It, it's just bad. It's just really bad. So hopefully this guy gets some help and, 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 and gets, uh, and gets his life back that's on right. track. <clears throat> yeah. You can recover from this. It's not the end of the world, but it requires a lot of work and it requires a persistent effort. That's the problem with this. This is not like a flu where you take medicine until you feel better and you can stop taking a medicine or an infection. You take the antibiotic until the medicine runs out and you're fine. Sometimes these issues, they require a lifetime of work. And it's not always medicine. It's not always counseling. It's sometimes a combination of both or one or the other. But it's not something you just cure by taking a pill for three weeks and then you feel better and you can stop. So anyway, before exactly. I get into an entire, entire <laughs> thing about the cycle of relapse uh, and recovery, um, you know what? We're, we're out of time. Sad. I babbled way too much tonight. I, I I think it was it was good to talk about these things, though. I feel better. It was good. It was good. good. You know, next tired. next week we'll we'll talk about if uh, Jared Goff stays a Ram. So you well, know. that's that's if I'm here next week. I don't know. I might have bought a share of GameStop this week, and <laughs> I might be retiring. Fucking GameStop, man! God damn it! So, can, can we tell that story really quick? Go ahead. Before? Go ahead. I don't. So, yeah, we got time. We got so time. in March in March of of last year, um, right when the pandemic hit, obviously the stock market took a nosedive because of all the stuff with the pandemic. And I've, I've always been interested in investing, but I've never really done it. But with stocks that I was interested in losing, going from like $45 a share to $10 a share, I decided to put a couple bucks into the market. I signed up with one of those um, money market apps. Robinhood is the one I chose. Mm -hmm. And because its reviews were really good and it was bonded and all that fun stuff. But their big gimmick was when you sign up for an account, you get one free piece of a random stock. And the random stock they gave me was GameStop. God Damn. It was worth $3.51. In April, it was $2. Yep. $3.51. It went down in April. Yep. And then it rebounded in May up to $5. And I mm -hmm. said, you know what? God damn it. Sell it. I'll take my $1.50. <laughs> and and we'll I'll take my $5. And I sold it. Was it was free. Yep. yep. It was free. It cost me nothing. And it's one of those. It's 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 a site that doesn't call, charge you per trade. Yep. I took my $5. I think I took my $5 and put it into another half a share of Norwegian Cruise Lines or something like that. <laughs> and um, which is also doing pretty well. And uh, today it closed at $320. Yeah. So that free piece God of stock would have been worth $320 today. And um, hmm. yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, like I told you before, I was looking at it in April. I was like, wow, it's $2. People are going to be home. This, there's no reason why GameStop should not flourish during a pandemic because everyone's home and bored. And I didn't buy any, and I am very mad at myself. Well, you know, it didn't flourish at first because if you if you remember, they were all over they were all over the news in a negative way because they were one of the stories that said we're an essential service, we're staying open. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not defending them. They treat their employees like crap. Yeah, and, and there's also yeah, it's it's not it's considered. I, many people say it's not a great place to work, but initially, stock investors were like, I don't know about this. You're desperate to stay open during a pandemic. There might be something wrong. <laughs> but now, here we are, a, a full year later, or almost a full year later, and all of a sudden, it's like, holy crap, everybody can you know retire on that. So I wish I kept my one, my one crazy uh, bananas. Yeah. All right, let's move on to final thoughts, Craig. What do you got for me this week? Um. 
final thoughts, you know, I just want to say that I'm impressed we made it the entire season without canceling the season. Really? Yeah. And and we and while we had to reschedule games, we didn't miss any. We eventually made up every game. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, so I'm actually pretty impressed. I hope the NFL would because let's face it, folks, COVID is not going to go away. No. This year. It's not. Um, it's going to be a thing next year, hopefully not as extreme and not as extreme. And I hope the NFL just takes what they learned from this season and grows from that because I think they kind of did screw up in a couple spots. Um, so hopefully we can get through a season without having to, you know, quarantine a whole team. Yep. And my final thought is we, we, we have a week off between now and the Super Bowl. It's usually a week of a, a lot of media. That's going to change because of COVID. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this now. Everybody, strap in for the offseason. I think there is going to be – I think there's going to be a QB carousel that's going to make last year look tame. Nice I don't know why I think it. I, I think it's just because we're hearing hey. so many people are unhappy where they John, are. John Matthew Stafford is leaving, so. Stafford's going to be a, a, a QB on the move. Cam Newton's going to be a QB on the move. Um, there are teams that want QBs and want to bring in veterans. I, I think this is going to be, and I think it's not going to be limited just to QBs. I expect a robust offseason of movement in the NFL. And if that's the case, then get ready. This is going to be hot stove level activity. <laughs> exactly. And it, it'll give us something to talk about. So uh, thank you for listening to us. If you have an opportunity, please leave us a review wherever you listen to us on uh, Podbeam or Player FM or Apple, wherever you grab a Stitcher. I think we're still on Spotify. Who knows? Um, definitely leave us a review wherever you listen to us. If you'd like to interact with us, we are at FignutsDFS on Twitter. We're also available via email fignutsdfs at gmail.com we are on facebook with the football fignuts podcast um we will be back next week for our super bowl spectacular maybe we can try to talk one of our our friends into joining us i don't know we'll see what we can do to, to make that happen lately schedules have been a challenge for us to to get that hap to make that happen but i would like to get somebody else on here to to get so give us some some fresh ideas because craig and i are usually of the same mind on a lot of these things but uh, we, like I said, we will be back next week. Until then, please stay safe out there, folks. Craig is right. This thing ain't over, but we can make it be over by being safe. Until we talk to you again, my name is Britt. I'm Craig. And we are the Football Fig Nuts Podcast. Hi, Deb. Hi, Deb.